Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with Scott Smith. And this is, as always, the show where we take your questions. So if you're not already watching on Facebook, head on over there. And in the comment section of Facebook, you can leave your questions for us. I figured as we give people a chance to start sending in some of their questions, just overall takeaways from the game on Sunday. Um, you know, I know that this, the Saints are one of the best teams in the league, but they are a team that the Bucs have, have typically played close competitively have beat them in our place have beat them in their place uh what did you see yeah. as as the as the potential for that game and what we can take it certainly away from wasn't it? an insurmountable challenge they mm-hmm. had just lost pretty pretty lopsidedly to atlanta at mm-hmm. home the week before so it certainly can be done uh but you can't be done they are a good team so as coach arian said too many mistakes to beat a good team so it can't be done with four turnovers especially when you don't get right. any yourself so uh i think personally the turning point uh, was the unfortunate play with O.J. Howard where the ball went mm-hmm. through his hands and it ended up behind his back. Because at that point, you were down 6 nothing, and they had, they had the Saints had driven effectively twice, but in both cases you'd gotten the stop in your territory and forced them into two, two field goals. And so it was 6 nothing, and the Bucks had the ball. And really, honestly, if this team has done one thing all year consistently well, it's moved the football and scored. I, we're still sixth in the league in scoring. Right. So we can score. So you, you're sitting there thinking, or I was at least at that point, yeah, it hasn't started well. We only had one other drive, and it was a three and out, but three and outs happen. Uh, now we get a chance. Within a few minutes, we could be winning this game. Yeah. And that would, that you know, when you're on the other side of that and you feel like you've dominated for an entire quarter, and then all of a sudden you look up and you're losing on the scoreboard, that can be a little bit demoralizing. And in any case, it would have provided some momentum. And I think, I'm not saying we nec- the Bucks necessarily would have won, but that game would have gone a lot differently had the Bucks put together a good drive there. Instead, one play later after the interception, it's a touchdown. It's now 13 nothing, and it's been a very long time since the Buccaneers have won a game in which they've gone down by 10 or more points. Yeah, and how tough for the defense of just how long they were out there, especially at the beginning. You know that has to take its toll over the course of time, especially when you are still missing a few people. You know, we were without Carl Nassib, mm-hmm. MJ Stewart, right. Anthony. You know, there were just 21 people. minutes yeah. in the first half, 37 minutes overall. That's a that's a very lopsided time of possession, and you don't usually win games like that unless the reason that you don't have time of possession is like you've had several defensive scores Mm -hmm. because that puts your defense on the field again uh, and that wasn't the case so that's hard to overcome for sure so the game was a lot more even in the second half both time of possession and the way the the scoring and the way the flow went uh, but it was just too big of 20 to nothing is too big of a hole to climb out of against a a good team like the Saints yeah that's incredibly true and um, the fact that we we're, we got one sack, but it wasn't even actually against Drew Brees. Right. It was against Taysom Hill and, and no forced turnovers. Um, what did you see as the biggest reasons for that, of just not being able to make some of those impact-type plays? Yeah, well, traditionally, Drew Brees and, and the Saints have been difficult to get sacks against. He makes such quick and good decisions, and you saw that on several occasions with I don't know if they were checkdowns or design plays, probably a little bit of both, a lot of throws underneath the Alvin Kamara. Um, He's always been difficult to sack, although, again, this, this, the Falcons had gotten him to him six times in the previous game, so it is possible. It, it was, I'd say that was another frustrating uh, fact of that game is that our pass rush, you felt like they had an opportunity in this game. Right. After what had happened against the Falcons, the fact that Andrews Pete was out of the game and he's one of their best offensive linemen, right. and even though you don't have Carl Nassib or Anthony Nelson, you still have Shaq and JPP, and, and our interior guys have, have had a good year. And for the most part, 
our defensive front has been pretty good this year. So for them not to get home at all, uh, and I don't think we blitzed a whole lot. They wanted to play more of a cover two sort of look and keep stuff in front of them and avoid the big play. Uh, Mike Edwards did get that sack on Taysom Hill on a blitz, which was one of the reasons they had him playing in the nickel package Mm -hmm. to take advantage of that, and that was good. But, uh, yeah, add that to the fact that we couldn't get turnovers. And, And, of course, they're linked. You know, if you get right. more pressure, you get more chance of a turnover. That, right. that made it kind of impossible to come back. And, and I, I don't know why. Right. I don't know why the, those pass rush didn't get home at all. Yeah. And um, especially looking at now, you know, the Falcons uh, got, I think, six sacks against the Saints yeah. and then five, I believe, against the Panthers. They've got 11 in their last two games. That's got to be something that uh, you got to be a little wary about going into this well, next game. Well, they've got 11 in their last two games, but they only had seven in their first eight games. So right. what's the real Falcons? Right. Uh, some of it, it's a, it's an interesting matter because uh, they had their they had eight games and they had their bye week, and as I'm sure you've heard, they made some coaching changes. They didn't add or subtract anybody, but they took Raheem Morris, our former head coach, who had been working with receivers mm-hmm. and is already the assistant head coach, and had him start working with the defensive backs and the defense in general, and he's involved in the play calling as well on defense now. And they did, you know, they had a little bit of a shakeup in how they're handling that. And ever since, now they have 11 sacks. They've only allowed uh, four field goals in two games. It's hard to believe that that could make that much of a difference. Uh, but apparently they've simplified their approach. Uh, they're playing a lot more aggressively, and, and it's working for them. And, and in one way, you can take that as a little bit of an encouragement because we feel like this team could turn the corner at any point. Right. We just saw perhaps it happen with the Falcons. That doesn't mean every team in this situation is going to turn the corner, but you can see that it's possible. Right. Uh, Tom asked, when I watch teams around the NFL, I see receivers open. Our receivers always seem to be contesting catches. One exception was Brait this week. What's the difference uh, does Jameis take longer to see the receiver? Is it scheme and long developing routes? Do other teams yeah. play more press and man against the Bucks? Uh, I think that's a little bit. I think we're painting all everything with a little bit of one brush there because I don't think that's completely true all season. I think we've had plenty of open receivers. Uh, this last game, they the Saints specifically played a type of defense that was meant to double Mike and Chris as much as possible, and those mm-hmm. are the guys that primarily you're going to be throwing to. So they made a point of making it very hard for those guys to have open space. And so that's why Cam Braid had all that open space in the middle of the field. Right. And Scotty Miller had a couple catches too. I don't. Th- I think that's a little broad to say that we haven't had a lot of open, free open. I mean, the Buccaneers are throwing for like 300 passing yards a game. I, mean, I think mm-hmm. we're top five in passing yards right now. I don't think we've had too much of a problem. I, I think maybe the problem is you're watching our games – and you're seeing how often our secondary, which has had struggles, has allowed wide open guys. Right. Right. I mean, and that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a yeah, good thing. Yeah. It's been one of the main problems. And there's been at times the coaches have said there's been communication issues. Uh, at times there's blown coverages. And you see a handful of times in some of these games where the opposition has guys wide open. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching a lot of our games, you may be thinking, man, the opposition really does a better job of getting guys open, but I think that has a little bit to do with our struggles on the secondary. Right, and I know Coach talked about how um, Jamel Dean didn't end up being out there very much this last game and that he wants to change that. So overall, uh, what do we feel like we've seen in terms of who he wants to use, how and when, and, and how that overall, just that young secondary looks now that right. we've seen a game without Vernon Hargraves on yeah. this roster? Yeah, that was an interesting situation because they obviously planned all week and prepared Mike Edwards to play in the slot because they wanted to play this person 
a lot of this specific type of zone coverage and then also take advantage of his blitzing abilities, which is good when you have a guy in the slot like Rondé Barber used to do to be able to blitz. Uh, so they went with that plan, which is why Jamel Dean didn't really play because if they were going to play different types of defenses, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting would probably go into the slot and nickel packages and Jamel would come in. And, you know, you end up playing the nickel the majority of the time. So it's basically like a starter, mm -hmm. basically have three starting quarterbacks. So I would suspect you'd see more of that going forward especially because he was so good against Arizona. Uh, I saw a couple different people asked about um, if you see Bruce Arians taking over play calling anytime soon. Uh, has that really been the problem? Oh, I mean, I've seen a little bit of that too. Has, has play calling really been the problem? I mean, we're scoring 27.7 points per game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the Reds, even the red zone numbers, which at the beginning of the year weren't, were a little bit of a problem, aren't that bad. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, I think, we're top 10 in red zone offense. That's touchdown percentage, how often you right. score touchdowns when you get in there. I I don't see why, yeah. Riley, to be honest. He's, for one thing, he is involved. Because mm -hmm. you've heard him a couple times right. through this year. He said, yeah, I should have vetoed that play call. Mm -hmm. So that is an indication to me that he's he's involved in what's going on. And if he, if he doesn't like what's called, he'll say, no, nah, let's do something else. Right, yeah, he has the opportunity to, to have his say yeah. in there. Um, overall, looking at this upcoming game against Atlanta, um, what would you say are the are the biggest things that, looking at what they have done? I mean, they seem like a totally different team now, weeks, and yeah. it's very unfortunate when we're <laughs> having to play both games against them. Really, would have loved to get them in that one and seven yeah. <laughs> uh, part at the beginning yeah, of the year. Things but change so quickly, though. They could go right back. That's that's very true. But so what have what has been such? I mean, that's a dramatic difference between those first eight games it's, and the last. It's two. all defense because their offense hasn't been that bad. I mean, they can't. They haven't. According to the numbers. I'm, don't want to provide bulletin board material, but right, yeah. they have not been able to run the ball very well, and they've had some injuries in that regard, too. Uh, the offensive line has had some changes. They drafted a guy like 16th overall to play guard, and he got hurt, so mm -hmm. he hasn't been out there. Um, but, you know, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and now Calvin Ridley's coming on a little bit. He's hurt now, but Austin Hooper was having a great year. They've been able to throw the ball. So it's not really a surprise. In their last two games, I think they've won 26-9 and 29-3. Those point totals for the offense aren't a huge surprise. Mm -hmm. It's the defense. I mean, yeah, they not were not allowing a touchdown. They both were games. they were allowing the most points per game in the league through their first before the bye through the first eight weeks, and now to come back and do that against on the road against the Saints and the Panthers, it's shocking. Mm -hmm. And obviously, give credit to the changes they made it and to Raheem, who's a very good defensive mind, and and maybe this simplifying things and being more aggressive has made the difference. But, again, also it's a two-game sample size. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll be there 45 minutes before the game in Atlanta this weekend for another live show, and we'll see you then.